Welcome to Guys Telling Stories. I'm your host, Rich Douglas, and today the topic is the absolute best Alaska cruise. If you haven't taken an Alaskan cruise, typically what we're referring to is getting on a cruise ship and taking this inside passage, which means round trip journey from Seattle or Victoria, British Columbia, and then stopping at three or four ports, headed back to where you came from, and then you get to go home. Um, Ours was a week long. We got back not too long ago. And I can tell you, along the way, you're going to see some of the most amazing ice masses, glaciers that you've ever seen before. And it honestly is, just like everybody says, a once in a lifetime experience. So on today's show, we're going to explain the absolute best Alaska cruise, in our opinion, covering everything from the best months to cruise, the cost of a cruise, exactly what to expect while you're on board the cruise ship itself, and of course, the best excursions at each port you'll be stopping at on your Alaska cruise. So feel free to take notes or listen listen to this a second or third time if you're planning your own cruise right now, because a lot of these questions we had before we went, and now we're going to address them for you today. Also, if you're new to the show, be sure to hit subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast and leave us a comment down below on something you found valuable about today's show. Well, to help me today is my beautiful wife and travel partner, Courtney. Courtney was on the podcast for our episode on Niagara Falls Insider Tips. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. So, Courtney, welcome. Thanks for having me. How's it feel to be back on the show? Feels good. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you helping me. And you and I were the ones that took this trip together. It was pretty amazing. And right away, I wanted to address, in your opinion, what do you think is the best month to cruise Alaska? Um, I mean, I think I would say around the time that we went, which was late August. Um, the weather was pretty good. And um, I think we got to see some really cool sites like with the animals and everything I think that was a good time to go yeah I would agree typically um, the cruise season doesn't even kick off until about mid-may and it runs till mid-september and so if you can kind of go during those shoulder seasons you might be able to save a little bit of money but we just kind of recommend going that later summer early fall because um, even though it may be just a little bit colder than those June months we found that the prices would be maybe a little bit less um, t- typically that peak season is going to be the the June months or maybe into July so if you can go that late August guess, early September, that'd probably be some of the best times to go. Along the way, too, you mentioned the animals, too. Seeing wildlife and seeing nature is going to be a big part of some of these excursions that we'll get into. And so if you can go during that time and book some of these excursions we're about to talk about, make sure you do. Um, Just addressing like the average cost of an Alaskan cruise. Um, I don't know. Do you have it in your memory exactly what we paid? I don't. You'd usually take care of all that. I don't like to see the numbers. I did do the research. Now, um, typically, uh, is, this is going to depend, of course, on the time of year and the location of your state's room. I, I mean, um, if we got away with an inside stateroom, don't you think that we probably could have saved a little bit of money? Oh, for sure. But with this type of cruise, I wouldn't have recommended that. Yeah. I mean, in general, the Alaska cruises are going to be more expensive than your typical, let's say, Caribbean cruise. And like you mentioned, we absolutely recommend a balcony room, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. So, you know, the price you're looking at is easily 2000 3000 per person. And go ahead and add another 1000 onto that if you're going to plan on some of the excursions, which we highly recommend. Uh, flights to the West Coast if you're coming from the East Coast like we are. And all in all, this adventure is going to be unforgettable, but very expensive. Worth it? Absolutely, but very expensive. 
Yeah, and you got to remember to add like a travel day on each end if you are coming from the East Coast because you just want you want to make sure you get there in time to catch your boat and catch your flight home too. So that just adds time and expense as well. Which brings us basically to our first stop, the the ports, the cruise ship. We're about to talk about all those. We left out of Seattle, Washington, and we definitely saved an entire day and night before the cruise so that we could explore that city. I don't know if you wanted to get into some of the highlights of Seattle, and then uh, we can tell you a little bit more about getting on the ship. Yeah, I think we stayed pretty much downtown in a hotel, and we um, were able to Uber around. We first stopped at the Pike Fish Market, which is basically, I think everyone knows about that. Um, The main cool thing about that market was just the uh, fish markets, I guess. I mean, yeah, you you smell fish, but they are just these monstrosities of creatures that they have like sitting on ice and they almost make art of it, I would say. Um, It's pretty cool to see. And uh, they have, you know, your normal other food vendors, arts and crafts, it's pretty big. It's it's more long than it is tall, I guess. Um, it took up a couple blocks, I think. Um, and it's right in the water. So it was definitely a pretty cool sight. Yeah, if you've been to Boston, Massachusetts, and you visited like Quincy Market or anything, it's mm-hmm. it's it has a similar vibe to that, but much, much longer. And there's these little alcoves, for example, like you could go up into a little shop or like almost down into a sub-level. And I will say too, like some people worry about Seattle being like rainy all the time. This is basically covered, so you could take an Uber or Lyft and get dropped off and then be able to walk around and see these sites, buy some souvenirs. They even ship some of the fish like back to your house if you want to pay for them to do that with dry ice. I don't think you'd have any problems uh, visiting this, you know, based on weather. Up next, we have the original Starbucks, which was a highlight for us. Yeah. Um, I, if you've heard about some of the newer Starbucks that are uh, basically being launched, they these are places that are well bigger. They, they're well beyond your typical, just grab a cup of coffee and, and go. This one had uh, three different areas that we're about to get into inside a massive building. Super friendly staff. I don't know if you want to talk about the bar and I'll take the uh, coffee shop. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely spend a lot of time in this place. Um, I would say there's like three areas. So I think we started at the bar first, which is they have your typical selection of alcoholic drinks, but um, a lot of them are coffee themed. So they have these really cool concoctions that they make using different types of coffee, whether it's espresso or, you know, drip coffee. Um and then they had food choices, too, that we didn't eat there, but it looked looked pretty good. Everything seemed to be fresh and um, just a really cool vibe. And it's all kind of one big open area. So you can, like, be at the bar and, like, see what's going on at the other place. Um, and I think after that, we went to the coffee area, right? Like, the regular coffee Yeah, bar. when you first walk in, that well, the area that is, like, the bar and, like, um, almost like the open market vibe is to your right. And so we ordered a drink. And like you said, we didn't get any food. But then when we moseyed on over to this almost, like, u-shaped horseshoe like bar in the round uh that's essentially where you could order all these unique coffee drinks and um funny enough we met a server a barista from our hometown buffalo i don't know if you remember that I forgot about that yeah and he started to tell us about all these different mechanisms that we weren't familiar with uh like a chemix uh electric upside down brewing method from the early 1900s so of course we're like we'll have one of those and the people around us it's almost like a show started to sit down and ask what he's doing he's explaining it to everyone and then somebody else orders like a like siphon coffee or like you mentioned before pour over so we probably spent another 20 25 minutes just talking with him and uh and trying this you know extremely hot like mm-hmm. <laughs> crazy coffee 
And then we weren't done. There was this little roastery area. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yes, I think you walk down a small flight of stairs and they have this smaller bar. Um, But it's basically where they take like fresh roasted beans and do espresso tasting. Or I think they say espresso. I don't know. Um, And that was pretty cool because with the way that they roast the beans um, and with tasting it just as an espresso, they, um, you can actually taste the real flavor of the coffee and compare, um, which I thought was pretty cool because normally, you know, if you have coffee, maybe you're mixing it with cream and sugar, you're not necessarily tasting the true flavor. So I think this kind of gave you a good appreciation for high quality beans, which was nice. Yeah. And I noticed that this would be the area where people, if they were going to come to this location to get some work done, this is where people were sitting with their laptops kind of off to themselves and everything. Mm-hmm. And this, in the middle part, and we didn't mention this, there was actual like, like equipment that essentially reminded me of like a brewery, but they weren't doing any tours at that time. They, they mentioned there was a schedule for that. So if you're really into coffee or you just want to get the whole experience, I'm sure you could set up a tour and talk to somebody like the roasters there. Uh, one suggestion, the Starbucks has probably, in my opinion, one of the better apps. So we've downloaded other things like uh, the Dunkin' Donuts app when it first came out. Starbucks is pretty awesome in terms of being offered deals and being able to pay with your phone. So as we're bouncing around from one bar, one restaurant, one expressory, espresso area to another, we're just kind of zapping our app for each purchase we didn't have some big bill we had to flag somebody down with and um i bet you know basically if you ever like offered a deal to load up your card we we get these all the time through chase i loaded up the card with like 100 bucks and then we went and spent some money on uh you know at starbucks so uh pretty cool experience and then we were uh then we we're back to the hotel kind of for like a good night's sleep except we were all wired on caffeine yeah. and coffee so well, let's dive in right into the uh, cruise port itself. It's known as a Smith Cove Cruise Terminal. And comparing this terminal to the Caribbean Cruise Terminals, I got to say it was one of the more easier onboarding experiences, if you remember. When we were dropped off, uh, we really didn't feel like we were like bombarded with like pushy porters trying to like shame you for tips. I don't know if you recall that. Like, yeah, it, like a dollar per bag. Yeah, a dollar per. Yeah, and, and and obviously we have money to tip these people as well. But being greeted by happy, energetic staff like kind of got us off in the right foot. And so there was a little bit of a holdup once we got our C pass cards. The gangway had moved, if you remembered, and that needed to be adjusted. But again, everybody was friendly, and just be warned if you do get caught in a little bit of a line, the wait staff from the ship literally comes into the cruise port and starts asking everybody to upgrade their drink packages. Now, I don't know if you found that pushy. I think it was just, you know, every turn you made, there was someone to ask you, even though you had just been asked like two minutes ago. And we actually had a all-inclusive drink package anyway. So once we told them that, we thought that that would sort of get off get them off our back a little bit. And then they started to ask us to upgrade to the, you know, different dinner packages. So we will say that when we got on board, we did it for the second day, we purchased like a king crab lunch for two. And they offer this a couple times throughout the ship. I know we're saying that these people were a little bit pushy, but if they're telling you about something they only do once or twice, like this king crab lunch, um, we would recommend taking taking them up on it because we did that. And even though we had a specialty restaurant that was a part of our uh, level of room, the blue specialty restaurant on Celebrity, uh, we looked forward to not only attending that, but going to this this king crab lunch. Yeah. And we did it during lunch, so we didn't like miss out on the specialty restaurant anyway. 
Well, let's take you through the ship. Now, like your mileage is going to vary here depending on which cruise line you go with and which vibe you're looking for. We like that modern luxury feel of celebrity. We've had really good experiences. And in the past, I've been on Norwegian or Carnival, and I've heard good things about Holland America for uh, for this Alaska cruise. But for us, we were on the Celebrity Solstice, and we decided to do the Aqua class. What was your take, Cord? It was our first time being in a balcony room. Yeah, I mean, I like the balcony room um, just because when I'm – on a cruise, especially when I'm on a warm weather cruise, I do like to be outside. And sometimes I feel there's like pressure to like get up to the pool and get a chair. But when you have your own balcony that has a chair on it, like you can just walk out the door and sit there and not feel like you have to be around a million people. Um, For the Alaska cruise, particularly because the scenery, especially as you're going from port to port in Alaska, kind of going through the inside passages, you just see, I mean, the scenery is is unreal. So to be able to have that really intimate look at it from your own space, I thought was really beneficial. Yeah, some of the memories that you might have would be maybe getting ready for dinner, maybe making a phone call back home. And if you just have this little like porthole window, you're sort of missing out on 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 some of what's what you're what you're paying for, which is the scenery and and everything, you know. Um, so, yeah, would definitely recommend that. And I will say too, uh, we're talking more about Alaska cruise in general, but for those of you interested in traveling with celebrity, we did stay in an aqua class room, and it being our first time. We really did like and take advantage of the relaxation room that they had, the sauna, the specialty restaurant. Those things were really nice to have because it was a little cooler outside and we typically do lay by the pool. So imagine sitting in like a white bathrobe on a heated lounge chair inside this like corner observation deck, but it's not for everybody. It's for the 12 other people who are in the spa relaxation room looking out over the Alaskan landscape. It's pretty awesome. I mean, from there, I think we saw a baby bear and a mama bear, like running along the rocks. We did, yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, I think having the Persian Garden area for this cruise was great because we really couldn't spend that much time outside. It was it was just too cold. Nobody was laying by the pool. So to have something to do where you could relax that's not in your room or not like meandering around the boat was really nice. Yeah, and along the same lines too, we uh, some of the other unexpected perks were we were invited to two separate uh, helicopter pad like sail away events, and one of them was because we were aqua class. And so um, again, just a suggestion: we say this in a lot of our travel episodes, uh, bring a gift or maybe some sort of token like uh, gesture for the loyalty desk employee for the captain's club employee. They probably anytime they're on their desk just hear a bunch of people complaining and we typically give them some specialty chocolates that are themed from here in Buffalo, New York and we never expect anything in return. We're just happy to kind of share enthusiasm for travel and it seems like almost every time we're invited to some sort of dinner with the officers. We've met the captain a couple times, and then this time was the first time we received those invitations to go on the helipad and and watch the scenery, you know, fade away as we are cruising off into the glacier areas. It was was pretty special. Uh, Let's dive into the atmosphere, too, because I think uh, some people might be going Alaskan cruise, you know, like when I go away, I like to have a little bit of fun, maybe party, dance. Uh, What was your take on the atmosphere compared to, let's say, a warm weather cruise? Yeah, it was definitely more subdued. Um, The, I mean, I think I've only ever done warm weather cruises before this one, so I was used to the constant music up on the pool deck, you know, um, people drinking up by the pool. This one was much more quiet. Uh, The bars were definitely not as crazy or lively. There weren't as many people at the bars. 
I didn't think the bartenders were as excited. They seemed to, I mean, they were, they were fine. They weren't rude by any means. But um, I remember on the warm other cruises, you know, the, the pool bartenders wear like Caribbean shirts and they're, you know, flinging glasses and bottles around. And, and there just wasn't as much of that, um, which is fine because it, it is a different atmosphere. But I think I, I definitely miss that part of it. Yeah, you know, when we were on the water, the I realized that the meals seemed like slower, but also enjoyable. And I'm not commenting on the service. It was just like everything had like a much slower pace. You didn't have to, we typically run around the ship like looking for one activity to the next. So we got to sort of take our time and enjoy the food. And to speak about the food a little bit, I really didn't find it was that much different from other cruises. I wouldn't say that there was like an Alaskan theme to it. We mentioned earlier that seafood fest that they offered for a fee, and that really was awesome. We're talking lobster bisque, uh, king crab, crab cakes, Alaskan salmon, baked Alaska dessert. It was worth the upcharge, but really that was pretty much some of the only Alaskan food we had, I would say. Yeah, I think I was happy that we did blue as part of the aqua class for this because when I looked at the main dining room menu, it I, re, I remember those meals and those dishes from previous cruises. So there had not been much change. So I think for us to be able to have at least some different options was really nice, um, even though it was not necessarily Alaskan-based. So let's dive right in now to the ports. Typically, you're going to stop at uh, Keshikan, Alaska. Juneau. Juneau. Probably going to meander your way into one of the arms and and, and see at least one of the glaciers. And they stay in that area for a few hours. Then Skagway. Yep. And then Victoria, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And so but we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, all of those in that order. And we're going to tell you what excursions we did. We'll even talk about the pros and cons and, and maybe about the cost. So our first stop was Keshikan. And just to give you a little bit of background, this is like the town that is at the southernmost entrance to these inside passages. It's known for its Alaskan culture. It's known for salmon and just for beautiful scenery. So it's a really good way to sort of kick off this Alaska experience. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about the uh, excursion that we chose. Yeah, so we definitely made a point to do an excursion at each port stop. Um, A, because we knew we wouldn't really be spending time outside on the boat, and B, because you're in Alaska, so you might as well take advantage of of what they have to offer. Um, We did, in Ketchikan, we chose to do a tour of a totem pole park and then a canoe ride on a lake to a nature walk. So um, the totem pole park itself was a good history lesson about the native culture of Alaska, but for I don't know. At least for me, I'm not much of a history person. Rich is a little bit more, but it was it was a little bit boring. Um, but definitely cool to to learn about it and see the different totem poles. After that, we took a bus ride um, to a hidden lake, and it was pretty wild. Yeah, it was almost like, are we safe on yeah. this? It was like an old school bus, and our tour guide was he was awesome. He was informative. He was a little bit funny. He was interesting, sharing facts. But he's driving this bus down like one of the bumpiest roads like I've ever been on. I guess it helped prevent boredom because, yeah. <laughs> because you know you're like hanging onto the seat. There's no way you're gonna like sleep on this bus ride to the lake. That's for sure. No, but then and then the canoe ride was really nice. I mean, the lake was super peaceful. I think the one thing I noticed about Alaskan. Alaska in general was just the air seems so clean and crisp and I really noticed this when we were on that lake it was just quiet and peaceful 
And we take a quick, I mean, it was what, 10 minutes of a canoe ride, maybe? Yeah. They, by the time we made it to this little dock, they had, uh, everybody was probably a little hungry, a little tired, because they're not as used to uh, actually Doing, canoeing. Yeah. Um, but they had a guy there as part of the group that made clam chowder, and there was hot chocolate. And so that was like a good little warm snack to have. And then uh, we took a nature walk with the same guy that had, we had been with the whole day. And just learned about different plants and trees, which I thought was pretty interesting and very, it was a very lush forest. So it was really green and it was nice. Yeah. And and if you're into photography or taking awesome photographs, who isn't, right? You got your phone on you. You're going to be able to take some of the best pictures next to these awesome totem poles out on the water, you know, next to some of this wildlife and these plants. So it was a really good option for us. I would definitely recommend it again. But one other option to keep in mind for Keshikan, um, they we were told about a lumberjack show and everyone's like, oh, you got to see the lumberjack show. Uh, we're not really into like shows like that, I guess. It's not that we wouldn't sit through it, but it just kind of reminded me of like an amusement park, at least the way people were describing it. Like, oh, go see the show at the amusement park. So um, we heard nothing but good things. And next time we're in, we go, if we go again, uh, we would definitely maybe, maybe book that, you know, weather permitting. All right. Our next stop was the Endicott Arm and Dawes Glacier. Now, let me be clear here. Even though this isn't technically a stop, it's going to be one of the most memorable parts of an Alaska cruise. These are the passages, these arms that lead to the glaciers. They basically they look like little arms on a map. So only a couple ships are allowed to travel up the arm each day to the glaciers and then they come back down. So it's a kind of a super special way to see Alaska. Now keep in mind, there are other glaciers too. Some of the ones that when we were doing our research, we heard about the Hubbard Glacier, Glacier Bay, Tracy Arm. So we thought we would go over the pros and cons of the ones that we saw. We went to Endicott Arm and Dawes Glacier uh, and kind of what we experienced. So um, why don't you talk about the pros? I'll talk about the cons a little bit, okay? Sure. So the pros of the Endicott Arm and Dawes Glacier um, there's a shorter length of the Endicott arm. So it allows for a faster journey to the glacier. So you can get pretty close. And we did, and we were pretty lucky. We had really good weather. It was not cloudy at all. It was bright sunshine and it was early. It was like 6 a.m. maybe. Um, but we got pretty close and you can see ice falling off the glacier um, and even some wildlife. I think that that's actually where, as we were leaving the glacier, that's where we saw the mama bear and the baby bear. Oh, nice. Uh, I think that's where it was. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it was just beautiful. And the sun shines off the ice and it was just such a, a gorgeous, a gorgeous sight. Um, I'll jump in here because it, it, I don't even know if they're cons. Like we don't have another Alaskan arm glacier experience to compare it to. But you mentioned that it was a, a, like that shorter length from what we've heard. So, you know, if it's shorter and narrow, um, it might be a quicker part of the cruise. But the captain really does a nice job of taking you as close as he possibly can. And then he sort of spins the ship around a little bit so you can see it from... From all angles, are, yeah. yeah. Um, and if it was shorter, honestly, if what someone comments for and lets us know, like, oh, yeah, you got to try this, well, then that gives us another reason to go take another cruise, you know? I will say you commented on the day. The day started super early. We're talking, like you said, they're um, on the, the speaker over the entire ship, not inside your room, of course, but out in the public areas, um, narrating 
what you can expect to see, giving you information about the glacier. Um, so, I mean, I would recommend on Glacier Day, set an alarm early in the morning. And funny enough, our, our little Captain's Club gift worked again because we had an invite to a special outdoor viewing of the glacier. And when we got there, they had little headphones so we could be out in the public like deck area, the outdoor area, and still hear the narration. And, of course, we got to see some some ice fall off the glacier and literally everyone's just holding their breath waiting for that to happen and then you see it and it's like oh this is great yeah i would recommend um if you can get a hold of the headphones it was really nice to be able to have someone explaining in your ear like what you were seeing and what to expect and then i would also suggest you know getting up early and just finding a nice spot like get some coffee get a seat at a table you know i think up on the sunset deck they have tables and chairs because you're just going to want to sit there for like an hour or so and just watch it Um, yeah i don't even know if um (laughs) if we should recommend what we did because we basically took them up on the invitation which was up on the deck where the fitness center was but we were just standing there and then we're just standing there and then the ship starts to spin and you you don't expect it to spin back again in a half hour the exact same way so we rushed all the way down to our room and we poked our head out there we rushed to the back of the ship uh by the time we were done running around like little kids trying to find the best view and take all these pictures we ended up just sitting down and getting some coffee and maybe a little breakfast and you know watching the watching the world go by so you know make sure you don't go to bed too late uh the that day either meaning the day before because it's definitely an early morning after that, our next stop was uh, Juneau, Juneau, Alaska. It was actually the exact same day as that early morning Dawes Glacier. So Juneau is known as this old gold prospecting town. And we did something that we never thought we'd do. This is going to be by far the best, most ex- amazing experience that we did. It was a helicopter ride to the top of Norris Glacier where we then got out of the helicopter and we had an experience with a sled dog team, this official sled dog camp, basically spends all summer up there. And it really was the uh, coolest experience ever. Yeah, I mean, the helicopter itself was was pretty incredible. I mean, it was definitely frightening, at least for me. Um, you, I think I had heard about like two helicopters crashing, and that always makes you a little nervous. Uh, we were lucky, though, because this is also the... Um, most common excursion to get canceled because of weather. So we had great weather. We got on this helicopter. I think there were four, there were five, six people on the helicopter plus the pilot. They do it based on weight. Um, and Rich and I got to sit up front. So that was pretty cool. Our helicopter pilot, uh, was originally from Italy and lives in Venice beach, California and comes to Alaska in the summer to fly pilots. So that was interesting. Yeah, and I will say when you're in a helicopter, if you haven't been before, it's a 360 degree like view. It's you're wearing the headset, and sure you can speak and you talk to the people that are all wearing the headsets, but no one's really saying anything. They're just taking it all in. And your death perception is completely thrown off. You don't know if you're, you know, 10 feet in the air or 100 feet in the air. But I'd say for a good 10, 15 minutes, we are, you know, riding to the top of this glacier. And then we land in this wide open space that's covered with snow. And you see these dog kennels in this camp of about 50 dogs. And yes, it was cold, if you're wondering. It finally felt like, oh, this is the Alaska you see in the pictures. So when we got out, we got greeted by a different team, the team that leads the dog sled rides up there. And for about 10, 15 minutes, they uh, got us prepped to go on a dog sled ride with about, I don't know, I'd say maybe four other people total. Maybe it was four people total, including us. And then uh, when we were done, we got to pet the dogs and 
you know, learn a little bit about the people who are living up on this glacier all summer. And being, they literally transport all the dogs, all the kennels, everything that they need from an outhouse up with those exact same helicopters and then bring it all back down later. Yeah, and I don't know, did you mention that we each got to lead the sled race? Yeah, so that was pretty cool. There were four people per sled, um, plus the musher, I don't know, the regular guy that runs the sled dog. Um, but we each got a chance to sit in the, like stand in the back and kind of lead the dogs, which was really cool. And you, you move pretty quick. I mean, the dogs go at a decent clip um, and they have their own little path that they go around. And it was good. They were not like your typical blue-eyed huskies, though. They were kind of more brown brown and grayish with like darker eyes. They weren't like those, you know, those gorgeous blue-eyed huskies that you see maybe in the movies, but still very cool. Yeah, and to talk about that, if you see another excursion where you're pulled by sled dogs, just try to look into it a little bit more than, uh, you know, clicking by and adding it to your cart. Some of the ones that we found will take you basically on a on essentially like a little bit of a, a wagon ride pulled by dogs. You know? Yeah, it's like on grass or something. Yeah, so like this, uh, it's different. Yeah, so, th- so this was the authentic experience. And I will say, we'll get into the price. It was extremely expensive. We're talking once in a lifetime experience and once in a lifetime costs. It's over $500 a person, um, under a thousand though. And the reason we'll, we'll, we'll vary that a little bit is, um, we'll talk about some cruise credits. For example, um, our cruise deal, I uh, got us onboard credit and I got to tell you, and you can chime in if you'd like court, the, the onboard credit helped us justify playing for these excursions. Um, we booked them ahead of time. Uh, so, and we did it through the cruise line. But we knew on the back end we had these cruise credits that could go towards excursions if we needed them to. Now, that is to say some of them book up fast, so you may want to book and pay for them ahead of time. Then again, some of these get canceled based on weather, so you may want to book when you get on the ship. But long story short, we saved a few hundred dollars on our overall cost of the cruise and these excursions by booking through the cruise line and using our cruise credits. And again, it's an unforgettable bucket list kind of experience, so I... We're so glad that we did it, and I'm sure one of the pictures will be the thumbnail for this podcast. Yeah, and I think booking the excursions ahead of time that way when you're is recommended that way when you're on the boat, you're not freaking out about the price because you already paid for it. So yeah, that is true. That is true. So Juno again, this seems like the world's longest day, but Juno is actually leaves you a little bit of time in port to go shopping. There's these cool shops and restaurants not too far from port. You just take this little short bus ride into the city center. So our first stop right away was the Red Dog Saloon. If you haven't seen the pictures of it or heard of it before, this is one of those old like honky tonk kind of place. It's almost like a divey bar. There's actually usually a wait to be seated and live music playing, but the service was super fast. I, I would say for us, it was a good place to just pop in for a quick drink and it had a little bit of a touristy feel. We weren't that hungry. So we kind of, I think we ordered some salmon dip and then, and then left, but we, we were happy to stop there. Along the way, there was also a couple of breweries that we stopped into, but like I said, we had already had a pretty long day. There was these strict rules about like 8 p.m. last call, so we ended up going to more than one brewery, just poking our head in, realizing that they had stopped serving beer because it was 7.59 and a half or yeah. something like that. So my honorable mentions, the Mount Roberts Tramway, I don't even remember seeing where that was. I'm sure it was right in front of our face. But from what I've heard, that is literally just outside where the cruise ships dock. And it's this uh, tram ride, lasts about six minutes, and it takes you basically 4,000 feet up into the air. So you can get some really good pictures, get some really, and see some really incredible views. So honorable mention, something that we'll have to do for next time. 
All right, our next stop was Skagway, Alaska. This town itself is uh, is like this old Western town, like a cowboy town, straight out of like one of like the Disney movies or something with like old Clint Eastwood. And uh, the ship docks directly next to these railroad tracks, which uh, brings us to our excursion. We did the Skagway White Pass Summit train ride, which anytime we Googled, you know, excursions to do in Alaska, this one pretty much was everyone's must do. And I mean, it was good. It was you take this this train ride, you sit uh, two people to a seat and you basically ride up these tracks that take you along the uh, course that the gold rushers were traveling as they were searching for gold. Um, and so the scenery is nice. There's a tour guide that kind of explains what you're looking at. And there's different dedicated points where they want you really paying attention and looking out the window. But the same way up is the same way down. So I think it's about like an hour and a half to hour and 45 minutes to get to the top. And then you turn around and it's another hour and a half to hour and 45 minutes to come back down. So I think that was, it was just a little bit long to be sitting on a train for me. Um, I think the, the way up would have been great. Um, and then one suggestion we would have is possibly to, to take the train up and do something else on the way back. Uh, you found something, right? Yeah. I mean, I love bike riding. We do some episodes here about biking Martha's Vineyard, biking Key West. And so of course, weather permitting, you can take the train ride up and get the narration from the tour guide and then, um, maybe take like a bike down. We did something similar to that in Hawaii where they drove us up to the top of that volcano and we watched the sunrise and then you get to ride bikes down. So some sort of combo excursion, um, for people who are a little bit more active, uh, might be something that would be a little bit more enjoyable. I will say, too, that the town's only about a 10-minute walk from the cruise port, so it is a perfect town if you haven't yet gotten any souvenirs to get something with uh, the word Skagway or Alaska on it. I think we bought our son that choo-choo train whistle. Oh, yeah, we did. You know, and and everybody's, if, if they haven't already bought something, everybody's popping in shops for things that they need, like convenience store items, hardware store items, just stuff that they, they you know, wanted to get and bring home or what have you, and... Also, uh, some some highlights for us would be that they there are two breweries. We heard that we had to check out the Skagway Brewing Company, and along the way, we found the Klondike Brewing Company also. Pros and cons to both. Skagway's been there a little bit longer, but the beer wasn't even like that great to us. The only thing that like we remember really was, Courtney got this super large dill pickle. It was great. <laughs> and it was like a fun little snack for her. Uh, the Klondike Brewery uh, was more memorable because they had this cool outside patio and the sun was shining, even though it was a little bore cold and brisk. The beer was better there too. Yeah, it, and it was. was. I think I got a little souvenir glass. So a lot to do for Skagway. All right. One more thing to mention is that specific term, the Alaska Inside Passage. As we're leaving Skagway, this coastal route for ships is like this network and passage that weaves through all the islands of the Pacific Northwest coast of North America. So if you're having a sea day towards the end of one of these Alaska cruises, I suggest planning to have a lunch or dinner as close to one of the windows as possible. Bring your camera. Just take it all in because that inside passage is really going to be something that they'll put on the itinerary to let you know that they're going through it. And before we get back to Seattle, there would be one more stop for us. It was Victoria, British Columbia in Canada. Bustling, lively city vibe, similar to Seattle, more so than any other stop we've mentioned. I don't know if you remember, we had to uh, pay to take a bus 
maybe we could have taken like an Uber or even ridden a bicycle, if you remember. They yeah, were I think the bus was only like two bucks or something, or maybe it was a little bit more than that. I think it was way more than that, but it, it, oh, you know, a little inside tip, yeah. like no they one checked tickets, tickets so <laughs> for going the there bus. or back, but yeah, just get on the bus. We, uh, we decided just to walk around. We saw... Uh, shops and restaurants. And remember, it's a city feel and city vibe. So it's like, well, this is a really cool city. Like, this is like bustling. But along the same lines, like, I don't know if you want to chime in here. We we didn't really hear about any sort of excursions to book here. So this might be one of those, like, do-it-yourself style Yeah, we were, stops. I think, too, because it was the last stop. We were a little tired. Um, so we just kind of wanted to explore on our own, which I think was nice. We just took it easy, and, and the boat was not there for long, so you didn't have a ton of time to do anything. No, we saw uh, one like Irish pub that had a sign for live music, and we po- poked our head in, and I think the Irish music didn't start till 8 o'clock at night. And yeah, so, and we were leaving at like 6. Uh, yeah, we were, so. we were already out of there. So, All right, so that was our review of the absolute best Alaska cruise. I want to take the time right now before we wind things down just to summarize a little bit. This Alaska cruise that you're booking, that you're taking, is going to be an unforgettable experience. Is it worth it? Yes, it's absolutely worth it. And if you like cruises, this is going to be a cruise for you. And I will say that if you don't like cruises... Why did you listen to this entire podcast? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. This is something uh, that would be special for everyone. Um, yeah. So I think to summarize timing, best time of year to go would be late August to early September. You might find the prices are a little better. The weather is going to be a little bit colder, but you save a little money because of that. And the wildlife might be more active. I think that's usually prime whale time and other animal mating seasons. Yeah, and we discussed cost as well. The cost of an Alaska cruise is going to be higher than your average warm weather Caribbean style cruise. But when you factor in the airfare to get to the West Coast and all the incredible excursions you're going to have to buy, your cost per person is going to range more than the sticker price for what you book. So be prepared to spend anywhere between 3000 and 5000 for a non-suite balcony room. That's right. There are other rooms that cost way more than what I just mentioned. Um, moving on to weather. So I would be prepared for colder weather. I would say it really didn't go above 60, 65 maybe the whole time. And it definitely was colder than that for most of it. So we ended up purchasing these lighter weight thermal hooded jackets from Columbia. Um, they were black. They were easily stuffed into luggage um, and they were warm with a hood. So We'll put the link in the show notes for you guys if you're wondering what we brought. Um, I would also make sure you bring enough sweaters and jeans and pants. I don't think we wore shorts once if you are going to go late August to early September. Yeah, and hats and gloves, it goes without saying, and it's just so that you're prepared. You can always take the gloves off and stick them in your pocket, but if you're getting a little bit chilly, you want to come prepared. But to summarize, you know, one of those thermal hooded jackets, again, we'll put the link in the show notes, hat gloves and lots of different styles of pants. All right, that's it. That should cover most of the questions you might have about taking the absolute best Alaska cruise you can. So if you guys haven't already, subscribe down below. Be sure to do that to get all our future travel updates. Also, if you guys have any other questions you want us to address and answer, then be sure to comment down below. We'll read them and then answer them for you. Well, thanks so much for listening. And Courtney, thank you for helping to take everyone through their absolute best Alaskan cruise. Glad I could help. As always, I'm Rich Douglas. Until next time.